All right. Good morning to you. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? You guys, yeah, amen. You listen. You guys were really singing good. Aren't those great songs? I'm telling you. You know, you've been so so good to me. You've been so so good. Oh, to think where I would be without you. You know, God is just so, so good. And that is the theme of what we want to talk about today. And, you know, we're in, this would be the, the sixth fruit, I think. Let's see. Let's see. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Yeah, number six. It's number six. And, by the way, you know, for years I've been trying to memorize the fruit of the Spirit. Got that one down, bud. You know, you preach on it for like nine weeks, you kind of get it. Anyway, so you might be able to tell from the sermon title um, that today is food day at Dorisville. Um, you are going to hear more food analogies today than you ever thought was possible. I will probably use my entire food analogy quote up for the entire year today. So just be ready for that. But we want to talk about the goodness of God. And here's the deal. I told you, you know, uh, every week now, really, this has been a real challenging and a good way series for me. Um, a couple of you had told me that this has meant a lot to you. The series has because it's so applicable, but so in our face and something that we really, really need. And I told you, you know, the day we had the sermon on patience, I said, wow, I, when I, it blindsided me. I, just, I knew, I knew I'm not a patient person. But I didn't think much about preaching a message because, you know, I'm one of those guys that think you ought to halfway have a handle on what you're preaching about. And I realized I'm just not a very patient person. So that was difficult. I've already told you on August 22nd, you know, self-control is coming up and I can't even spell that. So I know that was going to be a difficult one. But today was different. Today was different in a sense that the challenge for me, it may be the challenge for you, but the challenge for me today is, do I really believe what I'm about to talk about? Do I really really believe what I'm about to talk about. In other words, do I really believe that God is good? That God is good. We're going to talk about that today. And hopefully at the end of the service you'll be able to say, yes, I do, or no, you know what? That's something I need to work on um, in my life. So starting with the food analogies, you know, there's some things that just don't go together. Have you ever had things that you ate that were weird, that didn't go together? Well, I've got several in my past. Um, one is, you know, back in the days when I was in school, now we always kind of took our lunch, but sometimes, sometimes we got a hot lunch at school. And um, so one day they served up, these shouldn't even be in the same sentence, tuna casserole. I mean, tuna can be a sandwich, but casserole? Well, anyway, I ate it, and boy, I got sick of the dog. And I've been done. I don't know if I've had tuna casserole since then. So if you invite me over for supper, nix the tuna casserole. Okay, don't, don't do that. Then, then when I was a kid, you know, well, we just weren't very wealthy. And often we'd go into the kitchen and there wasn't like meat or anything. So you had to be innovative. And so I came up with peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwiches. And you would smather on about half inch of that peanut butter and then about half inch of that mayonnaise and put it together. It was a heart attack between two pieces of bread. And I would eat it very frequently. This wasn't like, you know, once a year you did this. I would come home from school and make a big old peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwich. And then one day, I got sick as a dog. Didn't have peanut butter and mayonnaise after that. You might say I was cured. And then, about three, to show you the weirdness continues, um, about two or three years ago, it was back when the barn was still doing breakfast, and Jeremy and, I would meet, Jeremy and I would meet on Thursdays, and we would have breakfast and coffee and do man time, you know, talk about man stuff and that kind of thing. It was under the guise of discipleship. 
we were out for a good breakfast is really it. And so, so we're having this. And so it was Sunday morning, like today, a Sunday like today. And I said, you know what, Jeremy? You know what sounds good? And he goes, what? I said, chili and eggs. Yeah. Yeah. He said, man, are you sure? I said, do you have any chili? He goes, no, but I'll make some. And so, yeah, he did. I wish he hadn't. I went, you know, it's one of those things you eat the first bite and it's not too bad. And then about bite number 10, you're going, oh boy. And your stomach is like you swallowed a lead weight. Well, that's what happened. And yeah, I didn't lose it. I kept it all day long. And I think most of the next day. And you know, it's funny. I've never had chili and eggs or the desire for chili and eggs. Because when you put two weird things together, you get weird and also, also, you know, awesome damaging consequences. And then you've got things like Mr. Goodbar. You know, Mr. Goodbar, and, and really the name does say it all. Now, now I know it, it's hard for me to imagine, but, you know, I don't understand why people don't like Jesus. And I don't know how you don't like chocolate. I know some of you go, I don't like chocolate. Don't like chocolate? That's like communistic or something, you know? You know, but I know there are people who don't like chocolate, and there are people who don't like peanuts. But for those normal people like me, you know, that like chocolate and like peanuts... Boy, Mr. Goodbar is great. It's, it's, that, it's that sweet and salty. It's that crunchy and smooth. It's just awesome. You, you recognize it. it looks like this. I know you can't, most of y'all can't read this, but you recognize the yellow and the red. And it says it all. It is 260 calories of heaven. I just love Mr. Goodbar's. And perhaps you do too. But when you put what the secret of what Mr. Goodbar is, when you put two great things together... Something great comes out. When you put two incredibly awesome things together, some awesome comes out. When you put two really good things together, good things can come out. And that's the way it is in our lives. See, nothing demonstrates real goodness, not like a Mr. Goodbar, nothing like real goodness within a pure heart surrendered to the Holy Spirit. When you take a, a Jesus follower who surrenders his heart totally to God, and, and then you realize that he surrenders to the Holy Spirit also. So you've got this pure heart and this surrender to the Holy Spirit. Good things are bound to happen. And that's what we want to talk about today. Good things happening when we surrender our hearts to the Holy Spirit. So you might ask yourself the question, so, so what is goodness? What is goodness? Well, quite literally, goodness is godliness. Goodness is... Is godliness. So, so when we talk about being good or doing, actually doing good, then we're talking about doing God. Okay? So, so, so when we have this goodness thing going on in our lives, we are being godly. We're being godly. And here's what I found out and I realized um, is this, that, that this ties in. This, this nine fruit, the fruit thing, it, I mean, it's just huge. You know, you, know, you take the first five fruit. Do you remember them? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. The five fruits of the Spirit, if you take them and put them together, you've got a beautiful picture of what goodness is all about. You know, everybody knows, you know, there's fruit. An apple a day keeps the doctor away kind of thing. You know, you, you go home in some people's houses, and they've got an apple and banana and orange, you know, sitting on the counter there. And, and then sometimes on special occasions, you'll go to somebody's house and they have fruit salad. That's where they chop up all the things and put them together, okay? And then there's ambrosia. Can I have an amen? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I'm not, I'm not really in the South, but if you're a Southerner, they're like, you know, like for instance, you know, in the South you say Chris and somebody says amen. 
Amen. And you don't put salt, you know, it's, it's, you don't put sugar, it's salt and pepper and butter, you know, smather a pound of butter, real butter, not that margarine stuff, and you put that in them grits, and I say it's a home run. Well, in brochures, it's the same way. And I, I don't even know how you make it. I just know every Thanksgiving and Christmas, we had ambrosia. And I know you, you cut up oranges and apples and bananas and them little Mario or Mario cherry things, you know, the, the, the cherries that are stuffed full of sugar. I can have an amen there. And then, and then you smather it with coconuts. And sometimes, sometimes it'd have like a, a white, like fluff stuff, like, I don't know if it was Cool Whip, I don't know what it was. And sometimes it was just the natural juices. But whatever, when you had all that together, shoot that thing. It was good. It was good. And here's what, here's what I'm discovering. Here's what I'm discovering. When we look at this goodness, when you take the first five fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, when you put those together and that becomes the goodness, and when you have that goodness, it's like ambrosia. It's just incredible. And then, and then when you put love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness together, you've got godliness. You've got godliness. And godliness is righteousness lived out from a pure heart. It's from a pure heart. Godliness is righteousness lived out from a pure heart. So, so here we are, and, and we've, got this, we've got this incredible opportunity to experience God's goodness in our lives. But this is where the question comes, okay? The purest form of good is God. The purest form of goodness, of good, is God. Now, here's what I want you to get today. God not only does good. In a church, probably 99.9% of people go, well, of course God does good. That's what God does. He does good. But what we don't always get is not only does he do good, he is good. He is good. And that's why I want to ask you a question. Do you really believe that today? Now, in your life, if you're sitting, you know, this couple's finally getting rid of their last child, okay? They bribed Austin and it's going to take him off the hands. He's going to have the empty nest thing going on for sure now. All that's really good. You know, when the sunshine's shining and, and when, the, when the, you know, the moon's out full and the flowers are blooming and there's a cool breeze and it's 75 degrees, when life is grand, it's easy to know that God is good. But what about when it's not? What about when your brother-in-law is in day 16 of the COVID virus? What about when you're facing surgery? Or the doctors mentioned the, the cancer word in your life. Or you just went to the funeral home and said goodbye to a loved one. See, then it's not quite so easy to declare and believe that he is good. We usually, as believers, as Jesus followers, we don't doubt that he does good... But if we're honest, we probably might doubt that he is good. Way back when we did the family series, Better Homes and Gardens, I, I made up a teaching slide, and I'll read it to make sure I get it right. It's not in the worship event. It's not on this slide here. But, you know, if we knew, if we knew everything that God knows, and if we could see everything that God sees, we would come to the conclusion the same conclusion he does every time. 
If we, if we knew everything that God knows, and if we could see everything that God sees, we would come to the same conclusion He does every time. In other words, if we could see everything and understand everything, we would have no problem believing that He is good. But the truth is, we don't get to see all that. And even the strongest person of faith sometimes wrestles with, is God truly good? I'm telling you, we need to recognize it, and we need to believe it. My goal, one of my big pictures today is, is that we can walk out of this room going, you know what? If nothing else, I am convinced now that God is good. Over in Mark chapter 10, there's, there's a guy, it's verse 17, there's a guy, and, and he was a, um, they know he was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, okay? He, he was all of that. And the Bible says in, in Mark 10, 17, as Jesus was starting out on a journey to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. Now, this is, this is way unusual, okay? Men didn't run. I'd like that society. You know, no guilt about exercise here because you didn't run, okay? Yeah, so a man came running up to him, and he kneels down in the dirt. Rich young people, rulers, they just didn't do that, okay? And he comes, he kneels down, and he asks this. And here's our word that I want you to remember. Good teacher, he didn't use the word rabbi even. He used this word good teacher, okay? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's a great question. It's a great question. And Jesus counters with a question. And here's what he says in verse 18. Why? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked, and only God is truly good. Why are you calling me good because only God is truly good. And this is two big things here. Okay? The first is this. It nails down the fact that... Get back there, Nancy, please. I'm sorry. All right? We get back to that God is good. We get back there. God is good. Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. So only God is good. We nail down that God is always good. But also, also, there's this. Why do you call me good? Now, it sounds like Jesus is distancing himself from identifying with God. That is not the case. He's saying, hey, dude. Well, he's not saying, hey, dude. But he's saying, hey, you know, are you calling me God? Are you calling me God? Are, are you, are you figuring, have you figured out in your mind? Because this is one guy who was sincere. Okay? Are, are you calling me God? Because here's the deal. The answer to your question is identifying me with God. Because his question was, how can I have eternal life? Well, to get eternal life, you've got to realize and understand that Jesus is God. Only God is good. Are you saying that I am God? Now, here's the deal. Godly goodness is not just moral excellence. It is also love lived out loud. Now, this is so important. See, you can be very moral and not be good. You can be very good and not be, I should be very moral and not be good. See, Jesus, no doubt, Jesus was way and above a moral person. Absolutely perfect, in fact. But he went way beyond that. It was love lived out loud. And see, the proof of that is this. You know, Louis Gigolo once said that the cross is God's megaphone of love and hope. And it is. You know, and when, when Jesus went to the cross, he went way beyond moral goodness 
and showed the goodness of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You've got to remember this. When you're trying to be honest this morning and say, do I honestly believe that God is good? Look to this. Don't look to your circumstances. Your circumstances will tell you a false tale. Your circumstances will lie to you. This never will. This will shout out for all eternity that God is good. Because only a good God would send his son into this world to live a perfectly sinless life and willingly be nailed to a Roman cross to pay for my sin and to pay for your sin. He is a good, good father. And we need to nail that down and we need to recognize this. It's love lived out loud. Now, the proof of all of that is in the pudding. Have you ever heard that saying before? The proof is in the pudding. You know, this is what, that's what I used to say when I was growing up. You know, the proof is in the pudding. Well, the proof is in the pudding. And, and that's not quite true. Um, that, that's why you need the real part of the saying. The, how many of y'all ever heard this before? The proof is in the pudding. Or some, yeah, good. Some of you have. Yeah, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. See, you can, you can have food that looks good, and it's not. It's just not. The proof of something, whether something is good or not, is found in the tasting. The tasting, okay? It's true with pudding, and it's true with God. It's true with pudding, and it's true with God. I can, I've been trying to tell you guys how, how, for years now, how great grits are, okay? But I, I describe it again. You know, they're, they're creamy. Salt and pepper and butter. Sometimes you want to, you put a wad of cheese in them. You know, cheddar cheese, things like that. All these wonderful things. That, but until you try them, you won't know whether they're good or not. And for some of you, they wouldn't be good. But for us southern boys, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a big fan of pecan pie. Can I have an amen there? Yeah, hello. Everybody knows pecan pie is like manna. Amen. You know, remember those small round things that they found on the ground they called manna? It was just little mini pecan pies. That's all it was. But anyway, so, so I've got a pecan pie here, and there it is. With Oh, it's just right. It's golden. It's got the pecans on top. The gooey is just the right gooey, and the crust is just the right crust. But I tell you, until you try it, you can't appreciate it. Well, that's the way it is with God. In fact, you know, I didn't come up with that on my own. The psalmist says, Psalm 34, 8 says this. Look, oh, taste and see that God is good. Amen. Oh, taste and see. I, I like the Wayne Taylor version. Oh, taste and you will see that God is good. Try him and you'll see that he's good. When I write these blogs that I write, you know, I try it. Everyone's like evangelistic. And I know I'm being read by a lot of people who are not Christians. And I try to tell them, just try him. Just try him. Just taste and see, and you're going to find out that God not only does good things, but that God is good. You can believe it. You can trust that. Now, one of the things, we all like cutesy sayings, and Christianity has a tons of them. And a Christian saying is, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. We've all heard that. We've all heard that. You know, God is good all the time. And then we do the echo thing. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And we really get into those cutesy sayings. But there's so much power um, in this. 
I looked this up. Um, it's called, a, and I'm not going to get it right, so Becca, I did the best I could, honey, so I'm going to tell you. It, it's, a, it's a paladone. A paladone. And, and simply is this. It's a sentence that makes sense either front to back or back to front. Um, it's really common in words. Um, you know the name Eve. If you spell E forward, it's E-V-E. If you spell it backwards, it's E-V-E. Hannah. If you spell Hannah, H-A-N-N-A, you spell it backwards, it's H-A-N-N-A. And what this saying says, whether you look at it this way, God is good all the time. If you look at it this way, all the time God is good. It's saying, it's saying from whatever angle there is, God is good. If you look from top to bottom or bottom to top, God is good. If you read it left to right or right to left, God is good. If you see it inside out or outside in, God is good. From whatever angle you examine God, you will come up with the same conclusion, God is good. Take, yes, ma'am. Take that home with you. And listen, if you're not in a circumstance right now that demands that, you will. You will. And as a Christ follower, as a Christ follower, you need to nail this down in your life. A verse that we all love, love is Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Paul's writing it. I love it because Paul's in prison more. He's out of prison. And here's what he says. And we know. Um, we, we believe. We trust. We've experienced. We know. We believe. We trust. We know that all things. How many things? All things. Now, see, again, you've got to believe that God is good. If you don't believe God is good... If you don't have your soul anchored in that, you're going to struggle with this. Okay? We know that all things work together for the good of those. Not everything is good. But God brings good into every situation for those who love God. It's not a blank check. It's those who love God who are called according to His purpose. God does good, but God is good, and we need to nail it down. It's got to go from the coffee cup to our hearts. It's got to go from the plaque on the wall to our hearts. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. We've got to get that thing into our hearts. Um, Lisa Turkis came up with another incredibly insightful quote. Again, I don't agree with everything she says, and I'm sure she doesn't agree with everything I say, so that's fine. But she says this, God is good, and God is good at being God. You know, have you figured something out? God's a lot better being God's a lot better being God than I am, than you are. I know sometimes, you know, we're like teenagers. You know, we are certain we know everything. And so we think, well, God, I'm smarter than you are. You're not. You're not. Listen, God is good, and He's good at being God. Over in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8, listen to what the prophet says. My thoughts are not your thoughts, God said. My thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. He's saying, look, look, I'm better at this than you are. That's why we need a God. I'm better at this. Jesus was better at dying on the cross. That's why he could pay for our sins. He paid the price with a sinless life that we could be free. I think that's what, you know, what Psalm 23, 6 is about. You know, that, that God is good and God is good at being God. You know? Surely goodness and mercy. Surely goodness. There's our word. Surely goodness and mercy, kindness, shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell 
in the house of the Lord forever. God is good, and he's good at being God. See where it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life? That's here. That's here. God is good here. Someone, an old-time preacher man once said that, that goodness and mercy are the hound dogs of heaven. And they get on your trail and they track you and they follow you every day of your life. Did you know you can wake up tomorrow and you can say, God, I know one thing for certain, that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And you can wake up in a week from now and you say, God, I know one thing for certain, that mercy and goodness will follow me all the days of my life. And we could go forward 10 years and say, guess what, God? I know this is true. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life because you said so. You said so. Goodness and mercy. Here. But he, Brandy doesn't stop with here. That's what I love. You know, we said the graveside yesterday, you know, for, for Betty Keating. And the story didn't end there. Because she had trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the story continued. Have you ever been watching a, a show on TV and, and it says, and it says, to be continued? Man, we need to close every, every funeral service of a believer in Jesus Christ that says, to be continued. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be continued. That's why, that's why listen, that's why we know God is good. Because even if everything goes wrong according to our plan in this world, there's the next. <laughs> if you know Jesus, there's the next. That's the there. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Not for a little while. Not for 80 years, but forever. So I spent now a chunk of my time just showing you that God is good. Because I want you to know that. I want you to be able to leave here today nailing down in your heart that as a Christ follower, I know, and, and deep in my heart, anchored in my soul, that God not only does good, He is good. And the more we... Now listen, here's the big, here's the big shift. The more we know that and believe that the more we will live out His goodness. The more that we know and believe that, the more we'll live out His goodness. God is good. God is good. And because He is, then we should do what He is. God is good. I know that's a play on words, intentional. God is good. And because He is good, we should do what He is. And what does that look like? Now, I'm giving you a short part here, but, but what does that look like? Well, the prophets, this is kind of a thing the prophets did. They would give this teaching. They would give this truth in different words. And in Micah chapter 6 and verse number 8, he gives us those words. Listen to what he says. Oh, people, the Lord has told you. Here's our word. The Lord has told you what is good. What is good. And this is what he requires of you. Now, we've got to pause here. Because I don't want anyone on Facebook or anyone in this room to think for a moment that what Micah is saying and what God is saying is that somehow if you do these things, you go to heaven. This is, this is not what he's about to say. That is not what he's teaching. He's not teaching this is the way to heaven. He said this is how you live when you're on the way to heaven. This is, this is not how you become. This is what you do when you are. This is not what you become this is what you do when you are. Do you know what ducks are? Amen. You know, ducks, ducks, don't, ducks don't quack to become ducks. If I were to go down to the park and join my buds down there that I write about a lot in my blog, you know, I would, if, I, if I sat down and went, quack, 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 I'm not going to suddenly become a duck. 
and doing stuff will never make you a believer in Jesus Christ. It will never get you heaven. Okay? However, because we are Christ followers, because we have experienced His grace, then we live in a different way. You know, the New Testament says it this way, you know, be holy because I am holy. Amen. Be holy because I am holy. So what? What does He say? Well, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what the Lord requires of you, one, to do what is right. To do what is right. James put it this way in James 1, 127, you know, pure and undefiled religion. Pure and undefiled religion um, before God the Father is this. Take care of the orphans. Take care of the widows. Take care of the orphans. Take care of them. That's what it says. When it says do right, it's, let's just make it real simple. Love God, love people. Amen. Love God, love people. Is that simple? We don't, listen, we don't need to make this hard. You know, as you journey, once you trust Jesus, you get that nailed down, you're saved by grace through faith, you turn from your sin and follow Jesus, you then you just live it out. And the way you live it out is you love God and you, and you love people. That's it. Do what's right. Um, love mercy. Um, love loving kindness. You know, love people because God loves people. Love people because God loves people. And, and... Walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly. You know what that means? Depend on Him. You need Him. Live like you need God. You know, I'm going to go on this canoe trip, and I've had several talks with, with Brent. I've never gone in 21 years, and um, I know how to swim. That's not an issue. I have a life vest on. That's not an issue. However, I just had this thing about falling out of the canoe and trying to get back in, or getting pinned next to a, a limb. And I know one thing, I like air a lot. And I'm just, I just don't want to get in a position where instead of air, I get water. Okay? I, I don't want to get in that position. So Brent's promised he's going to take good care of me. I'm going to be in the back with you. Okay? And he's going to take good care of me. All right? I'm depending on Brent to take care of me in a much bigger way when you depend on God to take care of us. Even, even the air that we breathe. It's simple. What does goodness look like played out in our lives? Love God, love people. The ones that deserve it and the ones that don't. The ones you're friends with and the ones that you're enemies with. I mean, again, Luke chapter 6, Jesus made it very clear. Love, 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 love your, your enemies. Okay, so... Let's sum this thing up. So in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9, Paul gives us this really good summary verse. He says, so here's the deal. He said, so let's not get tired of doing good. Let's not get tired of doing good. As we journey with Jesus through this life, let's not get tired of doing good. Have you ever thought ironic? We never get tired of sinning, sinning it seems. So, so it all comes, Paul says, no, 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 no. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You know, Judy's got this shirt. You know, Judy loves, you know, she's like a walking billboard with shirts. And she's got one that says, before you quit, remember why you started. Before, I need to read that more because I don't do that very well. But, but anyway, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't get tired. Don't get tired because there's a harvest coming if we don't give up. And he continues in verse number 10. He goes on and says this. He says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, 
And trust me, you've got a lot of opportunities. Okay? Because people are people. You got whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Everyone. The one that you agree with and don't disagree with, you know, disagree with. You know, do good to everyone, especially though, those to those that sit here in this room with you. Now, why is that? I didn't say this in first service. You know why you know that's why? Because Jesus said, by your love, they'll know we are Christians. That's why. That's why he said that. He said, we should especially be good to the family of faith because when the world sees how we treat one another in love, they say, I want to be a part of that group. I want to be a part of that group. So we've got to do good to everyone. Have you ever heard the term do-gooder? It's usually derogatory. You're nothing but a do-gooder. It's a risk. Doing good. We would love for it to be this way. We do good to people and they pass on the head and say, you are so good, thank you. But in culture, that's not necessarily the case. We should do good. Are you willing to risk being a do-gooder? Let me define that for you. Um, Do-gooder, okay, according to, first off, to Cambridge Dictionary, is someone who does things that they think will help others, although the others might not find their actions helpful or wanted. Have you ever shared the gospel before and you're all excited about sharing the gospel because Jesus is the best thing since sliced bread to you and you are totally like rejected? Well, that's what happens sometimes when you're a do-gooder. You, you try to do the right thing and then people reject it. Oxford says it this way, um, a well-meaning but unrealistic or interfering philanthropist or reformer. Oh, are you willing to risk being a do-gooder? It's so easy. All of us, all of us has probably done this. We're in a group and the conversation's either going toward a raunchy joke or, or gossip or something like that, and rather than step away or stand up, we cave. We cave. Because sometimes it's hard to do good. To do good. But here's the deal. If we will believe and understand, and the more we believe and understand, that God not only does good, that He is good, We'll find that strength to do good. To do good. So at the end of each service, we have like a decision time. And today's just a bit different. And I'll tell you why. Just a little bit different. Um, so the first thing is this. What have you done with this? Not this, but what this represents. What have you done in your life with the man named Jesus? A man we shouldn't know anything about, and yet we know more about him than all the Roman emperors put together. A man that a huge chunk of the world population at least identifies with the name of Jesus Christ. What are you going to do with this? You know, Jesus came that people like you and I could have forgiveness of sins. We could have our sins forgiven if we're willing to turn from that sin and follow him. Believing in what he said and what he did. If you've never done that, then today we're not going to have our normal decision time because of what we're going to have at the end of the service. But I'll be standing around, and Brent will be standing around, and Dave will be standing around. And some of these other folks will be glad to tell you about how you can know Jesus Christ as your own Lord and Savior. But my big hope for most of us in this room today is that we will leave this room saying, 
I know for a fact that God is good. And my circumstances will not dictate my definition of God. I believe God is good. And my circumstances will not dictate my definition of God. I want you to take that home today and live that out. And as you do that, you'll find yourself living out this fruit of the Spirit called goodness. Well, I mentioned a couple times that today is different, and it is. And that is, it's the time when we observe the Lord's table. Um, It was Thursday night, and it was Thursday before he died on Friday. And he invited his guys to come up into um, the upper room. And he gave them something, a gift of sorts, to help them to remember. Maybe to remember that God is good. But he gave them this gift to remember why he did what he did. And so today, we would like to invite you to be a part of our Lord's Table observance. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're invited to the table today. And that night, he he sat there, and and guys, if you want to go ahead and come forward, um, that night as he did this, he, he walked into the room, and there were 12 men around the table. And um, he does something that's incredible. He takes off his outer robe and puts on a, a towel around his waist, the wear of a servant, and he begins to wash the guy's feet, all 12 of them, um, including the guy who would, in a few hours, turn him over to the Roman guards who would betray him. What an incredible act of goodness that he washed the feet of the man who would betray him. And then there's a guy sitting over here whose name was Peter. And in just a few hours, when Peter said, I'm telling you, I don't know the man, he washed his feet too. And you know what? In fact, all of them, all of them would run. Barbara, all of them would run. He knew that. And he still washed their feet. How amazing. How good. How good. What an example of goodness. Well, Judas leaves the room to do his dirty deed. And the eleven are left. And Jesus gives us the table. And he takes up a loaf of bread. And he tears off a piece of that. And then he begins, hey, pass this around. Each y'all get a piece. And then he said something like this. He said, you know... This is my body, and it's fixed to be broken for you. Uh, Tomorrow on the cross, my body's going to be broken for you. And I want you to eat this, and I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that. And then, and then he said, here's a chalice, here's a cup of wine. And he took that and passed it around, asked them all to take a drink of that. And then he said, he said, now listen, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. In other words, what I'm about to do tomorrow on the cross is going to write a whole new deal. Whereas before it was the law and with no hope of redemption, and now there is faith in me and my sacrifice, and there is redemption. So when you drink this, drink it in remembrance of me. He wanted them to know what was going to happen on Friday was new and impacted them and the entire world. So as we today um, observe the table, do that.
with remembrance in mind. And David's going to sing a great song entitled Behold the Lamb. I mean, it's awesome. And then when he begins singing, as you are ready, um, we have tables here, 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 and here. And this table is gluten-free if you require that. But when you're ready, if you'd like to stand to your feet and go to one of these tables, um, you're going to find the elements are double cupped. That simply means there are two stacks cupped together. Okay, In the bottom cup will be the bread, and then in the top cup will be the juice. That's for safety reasons with COVID. That way you don't have to touch the bread, and you simply touch your own cup. Now, I need to, let me tell you what we've discovered in first service. Some of these cups are very difficult to get apart. We've tried to go and make sure they're not stuck. And I, we'll apologize ahead of time. We're trying to do a good thing. We've done it before. But for some reason, these cups might stick. If they do, God understands. Okay. And if you want to go back to the table and get another one, you feel free uh, to do that. When you get back to your seat, you might want to test it and see before we take the elements. Okay. Now, may I pray for us? And then Dave's going to sing. And then when you're ready, would you go to the tables and then come back? And then we'll take the Lord's Supper together. All right. Let's pray. Well, Father, thank you very much for the privilege of sharing today. God, thank you that you are good. Top to bottom, bottom to top. Left to right or right to left. Inside out or outside in. No matter what angle I look, you are good. Thank you for that. Jesus, thank you for taking our place on the cross. Thank you your body was broken for us. Thank you for the blood that was spilt for the cup that held the wine it reminds us symbolically of what that is all about and God thank you for this church family I really do mean that thank you for the opportunity to be together and to share together and worship together and serve together so we do all of this today in remembrance of you and Jesus I pray this in your precious name